been in a series uh, called Samuel, the prophet of Israel now for a number of weeks, and uh, so we're going to be continuing that today. Um, if, you, um, if you remember last week uh, in Pastor Cindy's message, what we talked about was how Israel rejected the priesthood, uh, and they said, we want a king. We want you to give us a king because we want to be like all our neighbors. We want to be like everybody else. Now, Samuel was against the idea, but God told him, ultimately, to give those folks a king. Uh, give them what they've asked for. So this week, we're going to move on to 1 Samuel chapter 9, and we're going to see what God's plan looks like as it unfolded as he fulfills that request, as he fills the desire that they express. So um, we're going to read our first portion of scripture today. Uh, there's Bibles in the uh, in the row, if you need one, um, please turn to 1 Samuel chapter 9, and we're going to read verses 1 through 14. 1 Samuel 9, verses 1 to 14. So, it starts out that there was a Benjamite, a man of standing, whose name was Kish, son of Abiel, the son of Zeror, the son of Bekorath, the son of Apia of Benjamin. Kish had a son named Saul, as handsome a young man as could be found anywhere in Israel. And he was a head taller than anyone else. Now the donkeys belonging to Saul's father, Kish, were lost. And Kish said to his son, Saul, take one of the servants and go, to go with you and go look for the donkeys. So he passed through the hill country of Ephraim and through the area around Shalisa, but he could not find them. He then went on to the district of Shalem, but the donkeys were not there. And then he passed through the territory of Benjamin, but he did not find them. When they reached the district of Zuf, Saul said to the servant who was with him, Come, let's go back home, or my father will stop thinking about the donkeys and start to worry about us. But the servant replied, if we go, uh, he said, no, the servant replied, look, in this town, there's a man of God who is highly respected. Everything he says comes true. So let's go there now. Perhaps he will tell us which way to take. So Saul said to the servant, if we go, what can we give the man? Our, the food in our sacks is gone. We have no gift to take to the man of God. What do we have? The servant answered him again, look. I have a quarter of a shekel of silver. I will give it to the man of God so that he will tell us the way to take. So it said, formerly in Israel, if someone went to inquire of God, they would say, uh, come, let's go to the seer. Uh, because the prophet of today used to be called a seer. So verse 10 says, good. Saul said to the servant, come, let's go. So they set out for the town where the man of God was. And as they were going up the hill to the town, they met some young women coming out to draw water, and they asked them, is the seer here? He is, they answered. He's ahead of you. Hurry now. He has just come to our town today, for the people have a sacrifice uh, at the high place. As soon as you enter town, you will find him before he goes up to the high place to eat. The people will not begin eating until he comes, because he must bless the sacrifice. Afterward, those who are invited uh, to eat uh, will eat with him. So go up now. You should find him about this time. So they went up to the town, and as they were entering it, 
There was Samuel coming toward them on his way up to the high place. Okay, so we're a minute here. Let's, t- let's bear in mind that God has directed Samuel to give Israel a king. So let's just review real quick what we read so far, okay? So in the first couple of verses, we're told about this family of standing in Israel, uh, in the Israelite community. It's the, uh, uh, from their, these people are from the tribe of Benjamin. The father's name was, was Kish. And apparently he was a man of great wealth and influence, and we learned that he had at least one child. He had a son named Saul. Scripture then goes on to describe Saul's physical attributes. He's described as handsome, and he's described as more handsome than anybody else in Israel. He was also tall. Starting to sound a lot like me, isn't it? (laughs) And he was tall. In fact, he's a head taller than anybody else. Okay, so here's a question. What do you find significant about Scripture's description of Saul? What do you find significant about how we're, what the description we have of Saul? Well, he probably could make the cover of a magazine, yeah. I mean, okay, we, we get a physical description of Saul. Okay, anything else strike you as interesting? Well, maybe he's smart. Yeah, we, it's, it's, it's kind of interesting, right? Remember that Israel, when they said, we want a king, had said, we want a king who like looks and acts like a king. We want a king to lead us into battle. We want a king to, you know, go fight with us, okay? And so... Because they wanted to be like their neighbors. Now let's remember that all of their neighbors, none of those neighbors worshipped God. They were all pagans. So what kind of king did they have? Yeah, not a, not a, not a great guy, right? So, I mean, it just I think it's kind of interesting that we're introduced to Saul, who we know is later to become king, and the first description we have of him is not, oh, he's a man of God. Oh, he follows God. Oh, he seeks the Lord before he makes decisions. We get told he's good looking and he's tall. Okay? So maybe, you know, maybe that's a foretelling a little bit of, you know, of things to come. Okay? So so then we're told of this situation that, that Saul's father's donkeys, Kish's donkeys were lost and he told Saul to take a servant and go look for him. They searched three days. They look in a wide area. They don't find him. At the end of three days, Saul was ready to go back home. Okay? But the servant tells Saul, there's a man of God in a town nearby and we ought to go there and inquire him because maybe he'll point us in the right direction. And so they go and when they arrive at the town, they asked you know, where they could find the man of God, and they, they were told to go up this certain road towards a high place, and then they run into Samuel, the man of God, who's going to bless a sacrifice and then eat a meal with invited guests. Okay? Now, that with that set up, let's read the rest of today's scripture, and then we'll talk about it, okay? So, uh, we're picking it up with 1 Samuel chapter 9. We're going to start with verse 15, and we're going to actually read through chapter 10, verse 1, Okay? So, goes on and says, now, the day before Saul had come, so the day before Saul, he's still out looking for donkeys, 
that, that day, that before they came, the Lord had revealed to Samuel about this time tomorrow, I will send you a man from the land of Benjamin. Anoint him ruler over my people Israel. He will deliver them from the hand of the Philistines. I have looked on my people, for their cry has reached me. When Samuel caught sight of Saul, the Lord said to him, That's the guy. This is the man I spoke to you about. He will govern my people. Saul approached Samuel in the gateway and said, Would you please tell me where the seer's house is? I am the seer, Samuel replied. Go up ahead of me to the high place, for today you are to eat with me. And in the morning I will send you on your way, and I will tell you all that is in your heart. As for the donkeys, now remember, Saul hadn't mentioned donkeys to Samuel at all, right? But now Samuel is going to tell Saul. So Samuel says, as for the donkeys you lost three days ago, don't worry about them. They've been found. And to whom is all the desire of Israel turned, if not to you and your whole family line? But Saul replies, but, I'm, but am I not a Benjamite? I'm, I'm from the smallest tribe of Israel, and is not my clan, my family, the least of all the clans of Benjamin? Why do you say such a thing to me? Then Samuel brought Saul and his servant to the hall, and he seated them at the head of all of those who were invited, about 30 in number. Samuel said to the cook, bring the piece of meat I gave you, the one I told you to lay aside. So the cook took up the thigh with what was on it and set it in front of Saul. Samuel said, here is what has been kept for you, eat, because it was set aside for you from, for this occasion, from the time I had said I have invited guests. And Saul dined with Samuel that day. After they came down from the high place to the town, Samuel talked with Saul on the roof of his house. They rose about daybreak, and Samuel called to Saul on the roof. He said, get ready, and I will send you on your way. When Saul got ready, he and Samuel went outside together, and as they were going down to the edge of town, Samuel said to Saul, tell your servant to go on ahead of us. And the servant did so. But you stay here for a while so that I may give you a message from God. Then Samuel took a flask of olive oil and he poured it on Saul's head and kissed him, saying, Has not the Lord anointed you over his inheritance? Okay. So, as Saul and his servant approached Samuel, God speaks to Samuel and said, This is the guy I told you about. Okay, he's going to govern my people, going to you know, lead them into battle, give them victory over the Philistines. As they got close enough to speak, even though Saul hadn't told Samuel uh, why they had come looking for him, Samuel starts out by telling Saul, don't worry about your donkeys. Problem's been solved. They've been found. But all of Israel's desire is focused on you and your family. What, what that, so what, when Saul, you know, he questioned Samuel's statement, right? And I, I think today the way we would say, you know, what Saul said to him was like, who am I? You know, why are you telling me this? Who, you know, what? I, I'm just a Benjamite. I'm from the smallest tribe and I'm from the smallest family. Basically, like, why would anybody expect me to do something important? I'm, I'm not from the right place. I'm not from the right family, Okay. 
Samuel responds by escorting Saul and his servant into this dining hall filled with about 30 guests, and he seats them at the head of the table. Now, who gets to sit at the head of the table? The guest of honors, right? So, I mean, all of a sudden, he brings him in. They didn't even know they were going to go to a banquet, and now they're there, and, they, and they're the guests of honor. After the meal, they're back at Samuel's house. Samuel tells Saul that, you know, tomorrow morning, I'll send you back home. Following morning, they send the servant on ahead so that Samuel could speak freely to Saul and give him a word from the Lord. Interesting, there's something I think important here. Not everything God wants to tell you is necessarily for public knowledge. Sometimes God wants to speak to you privately, and what he tells you maybe is for you to keep to yourself until God releases you to share it. So it was apparently it was not appropriate yet for the servant to know what was about to happen to Saul, so they send him on ahead. Okay? So when the servant's gone, Samuel takes out a flask of oil, pours it on Saul's head, and anoints him as king. You know, I just thought as I read this whole passage, uh, this was a pretty amazing week in Saul's life. You know, if you really think about it, right? Uh, It starts out kind of on a low note. I mean, Saul starts out the week by his father telling him there's lost donkeys. You go chase after them. Right? I mean, that's not exactly a executive level assignment you, you know what I mean that that's not like oh man great what you know what a cool thing but it but it is the week ends with him returning home having been anointed king over Israel I mean I, I think one thing we should take from that is when God's involved in your life a lot can happen in a week things can turn around things can go from not looking all that special to being pretty important okay um it's 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 just over just a few days, Saul went from kind of being a guy that, I mean, if Saul was available for his dad to send him out to chase after donkeys, I mean, he must have not been that busy. He didn't have a lot going on. And, so all, and, and yet, he looks really good. Okay? And I'm not knocking great-looking people, you know. Since I'm not one, I mean, I, you know, it, but but I'm just saying there there are. Well, you know, there was an old joke, right? There there's show ponies and there's workhorses, okay. And and for whatever it was, Saul Saul didn't have much going on, and now he's appointed to be king. And I I just think it's an amazing thing how God can move and change what's going on in our lives so quickly over over just a few days without without us really knowing that it's going to happen at all, okay? But here's the important thing. Saul goes from this guy without a lot going on to stepping into his life's destiny, to his calling, God's calling on his life. And it all happened because when his father said, go chase after some lost donkeys, he said yes. Okay? I mean, who would think you get sent out to chase lost donkeys and that's going to lead to you finding out the call on your life? Does that make sense? That doesn't sound like the setup 
for, for a big revelation from God. But, but here's the thing. It's because Saul was obedient to his father that it set him up for what was next. Okay? So um, I, think, I think what we want to look at then as we go on from here for the rest of our few minutes together is um, how can we find what our divine God-appointed destiny is? Okay? Um, you know, don't kind of when we're young, don't you kind of wonder what is going to become of your life? You know, what is it you're going to do? Uh, and, and, and what we might accomplish. But, you know, as we go through our lives, we find some of those things that God has for us. But as we get older, then we start to go, well, what about now? Well, no matter where we are in our life, whether we're just starting out, whether we're right in the middle of it, or whether we're, you know, kind of on the, on the, on the second, you know, chapter, uh, God has plans for us. God has things for us to do. And so the real question is, how do we find out what that is? How do, we, how do we step into that? Okay? Well, the first thing I think that God has is we look for, what is my divine, what are my God-appointed destinies? The first thing is we need to understand is we need to let God move us in unexpected ways. Okay? Uh, Saul was tall. He's handsome. He's a young, you know, he's, he's from a well-known, well-to-do family. Today, we'd probably call that kind of a privileged upbringing, maybe, okay? When his father gave him the task of chasing after lost donkeys, he did not know what the outcome of that assignment was going to be, right? Scripture doesn't tell us that his father had dreams of his son becoming king. And so, and, and so, oh, if I send him out chasing these donkeys, you know, he'll, he doesn't say that at all. The dad just wanted his donkeys to get found, so he just sends his son out to, to do that. Did you ever think sometimes a young man who grew up in a privileged environment, if given a menial task, might say, I don't want to do that? I don't think that's an appropriate task for me, dad. Aren't I beyond that? Okay. Saul could have objected. Saul could have said, sure, I'll go. But then wandered off somewhere else, spent a few days at the beach, come back and said, no donkeys. No, I mean, think about it. There's, there's a lot of stuff. Saul probably had a credit card, you know, with a big, you know, credit balance on it. I mean, Saul could have said, yeah, but then not done it. Saul could have said no. Okay. But, but what happened here that was important is that Saul was obedient to what his father told him. Okay? So when, when Kish sends Saul out to chase donkeys, to Saul it just looks like kind of this meaningless task. Okay? But God knew different. God knew that Saul wasn't just chasing donkeys. God was using this a task, this assignment, to move Saul from where he was to where Samuel was so that he could be anointed king. It all started, though, with Saul's obedience to his father. And, and a lot of times in our life, the, the problem may be if we're going, man, I don't feel like I'm getting where I'm supposed to be. I don't, I don't feel like my life is moving 
where I surely God's got more for me than whatever it is I know right now or I'm doing right now. I think we have to be fair and ask ourselves at least one checking question is, but am I being obedient to what God has given me right now? Am I, am I doing it faithfully? The things, the work that's in front of me now, the task that's in front of me now. I mean, there are times in our life, life can be really, really busy, right? And, and, and it can start to feel like, but am I getting anywhere? Well, the real question is not, am I really busy? But it's, am I being faithful with the work that God has put before me now? Okay? Because here's the, here's the thing. God can use the most unexpected, even trivial sounding tasks like chasing lost donkeys, right? To guide you toward your calling. The, 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 the issue isn't the task. It was never the task. It was the obedience to the task, okay? And so that's what, you know, you and I just don't assume that some seemingly meaningless task that you're asked to do is a waste of time. It may be God testing you because if you won't be obedient with going after a donkey, how will you be obedient in leading a whole group of people? You see what I mean? Sometimes, you know, there's a, there's a verse that talks about faithful in little, faithful in much. If, if God can't trust you with ten bucks, why would he give you a thousand? It could hurt you. You could be crushed under the blessing. Okay? If, if God can't trust you with, you know, sometimes... <laughs> Sometimes the task in front of you is dealing with a whole sink load of dirty dishes. There's nothing very appealing about that. Sometimes it's digging up. I mean, but do you see what I'm getting at in our lives? Sometimes it's dealing with people at work who are really hard to get along with. There are some difficult things that we can be tasked to do in life. But are we doing them faithfully? With what we have now, are we being faithful? Because God can lead you through unexpected ways. Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9. This is God. He says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, my thoughts than your thoughts. You and I go, well, if I'm here and I wanted to get over there, there's this logical path. I just want to go straight there, right? If a company hires me, why can't I just go right on to be CEO? I mean, wouldn't that be good? You know, but there's a, there's a path, okay? And, and, and often we can't see it. And, and God, I just don't know about your life, but in my life, it seems like God has used some very unusual ways to get me to where he wanted me to do. Okay? He's, he, and, and, and it's not who I would have picked. It's not the ways I would have chosen. But yet if we're obedient, we get there. And when we, but we never know it till we're looking back. Because then we have the perspective of hindsight. And then we go, you know what? God really was faithful, even though I couldn't see it at the time. Okay? And so I just want to encourage us. Look, this, this account, what we've just talked about so far from Saul's life, really ought to give all of us a lot of confidence that God can get you where he wants you to be. He can get you to the place that he wants you. Honestly, without any help from you, <laughs> other than your obedience. Does that make sense? It, it, other than your obedience. He can get you there. 
There's a saying, I, it's been said many times, I wish I'd written it the first time because I love it, but blessing follows obedience. There's a, there's, it's just amazing how that works. It's true time after time. Blessings follow obedience. And so that's the first step is let, don't, you know, allow God to move you in unexpected ways through people that you wouldn't have chosen, through paths you wouldn't think are important. But if you stay obedient to those things, God can move you to where he wants. The second thing is to seek God's guidance. Verse 5 tells us that after three days of looking around for the donkey, Saul was ready to quit and go home. Well, but think about it. I mean, honestly, I mean, I think I love Scripture. I really like it when I just think about it like normal people, like today. Just I'm just thinking about what does this really mean? Okay, Kish is, Saul's dad, Kish, tells Saul, go find my donkeys. They're lost. Okay, do I go north or south or east or, I mean, where do you start? Right? I mean, how do you, how do you, how do you, what, what direction would you go? They could literally be anywhere. And yet, from what scripture told us, Saul and the servant that he picked just started out. I mean, how, how did they, you know, did they blindfold a guy and spin him and wherever he ended up? They just, how did they pick a way to start? What way did they go? The donkeys could have been anywhere. And it gives us no statement or clue that they sought God's help, God's direction, anything that they sought God at all. They just started out looking for donkeys. Fortunately, after the three days when Saul was ready to quit and go home, instead of just throwing in the towel, Saul was willing, though, to listen to the counsel of the servant who was with him. The servant suggested, let's go to the man of God. Let's see if we can get some help from God. Proverbs 16.3 says, commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. Would you agree with me that it's really wise to start all projects, all efforts, anything you intend to do, to start it with prayer? I mean, would, would you agree that's really a good idea? We forget to do that a lot. I'm not, I'm not saying any of us are particularly good at it. But isn't that, you know, I mean, what we want to do is we really ought to want to start everything. Commit our plans, the processes, and the outcomes that we want to see to the Lord. That really it should always be the first thing that we do before we take a step. However, if we don't, if we forget... If we just choose whatever, when we realize that we haven't done that, we ought to stop right then before we become frustrated and give up or call it quits and go home empty-handed, okay? We ought to call out to God and tell him, you know, and I mean, and I, we need to be honest with God sometimes. And, and prayer is just talking to God, right? So sometimes we just need to say, God, I'm getting nowhere, right? I'm getting nowhere fast with what I seem to be doing. I feel like I'm just chasing donkeys. I just feel like I'm chasing donkeys here in my life, and I need your direction. I need your guidance. And then we need to wait until God gives us some direction, some guidance, and he will. So, you know, look, you, you, may, you might be like Saul right now in your life, possible. 
okay? That you don't know what God's plans are for you in whatever chapter of life you're in, okay? Sometimes, you know, sometimes people think I'm too old. Good news is God called Moses when he was 80. I think we all still are qualified then, okay? You know, sometimes you might think, well, yeah, I'm not old or anything, but I'm not properly trained. You know, this thing that I I don't think I've, I've got whatever it is I need. But, you know, God called David to be king from being a sheep guy, right? From, from the sheep fields. I mean, you know, David doesn't say David went to king development school. I mean, think about it. The people God chooses to use, most of them didn't come from the likely source. You know, didn't, didn't come from the right family. Okay? Uh, I mean, we, man, you know, you know, the other thing when God calls you, the first thing Satan will do is try and tell you that you're not enough. Anybody ever, you know what I'm talking about? Satan, Satan's got a lot of ways to tell you you're going to fail. You're not enough. You remember what you did three years ago? Remember that bad decision you made? Remember, you're not enough. Man, God used Esther to save a nation. Esther didn't think she was enough. But she was available to be obedient to God's call. And she literally saved the Jewish nation. Look, whatever you and I've got, okay, whether it's time or talent or resources or whatever it is, we just need to offer them up to God. We need to tell him he's welcome to use them any way he chooses. Okay, because whatever he chooses to do with it will be the good way. It will be the way that leads to blessing. It will be the way that leads to joy in our lives and peace because we will be walking with God. So I think the thing for us to take from this is don't waste valuable time in your life wandering around aimlessly chasing donkeys. You know, commit it today to God. Seek his guidance. Think about it. You know, what I really think happened, Scripture doesn't tell us. This is just my version of the story, okay, is I think those donkeys were probably home the day after Saul left. I I think if God wants your donkeys to get back home, because that wasn't the, the whole point was not lost donkeys, right? The whole point was Saul being obedient to go look for them. Well, I don't think he could find them because they were already back home. Do you see what I mean? Because God wasn't wanting to punish Kish with losing donkeys. He was just wanting to get Saul out of town and move him to where he needed to go. So I think the donkeys probably came back home because they were hungry or wanted water or, you know, wanted something. I think they were back home long before then, okay? But Saul didn't know it. But so it was, would, would Saul pursue, would Saul be, be faithful and finally before they gave up they said whoops we probably should have call, asked God to start out with but they seek him eventually we can save time start out by seeking God okay seek God's guidance to ask him to point you in the direction he wants you to go that's number two and finally the third thing is receive God's call on your life when God reveals his plans to you don't doubt or argue just say yes just, just say yes 
because Satan is going to try to immediately convince you that you're not enough. Like I said, um, that you're not capable. And, and he, trust me, he's good at helping you remember all the reasons why that could be true. Okay? He'll, he'll remind you of all the mistakes you've made. He caused Saul to doubt. Remember in verse 21 after Samuel said, hasn't all of Israel's attention, you know, desire turned to you? He goes, yeah, no, 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 no. I'm from the smallest tribe. I'm from the least clan. I mean, basically he's saying, you can't be serious. I'm, I'm, I, I can't be the guy, okay? But, but here's the thing. God knows you. He created you. So who better than God knows what you're capable of? And, but in fact, really, uh, he can help you accomplish things you aren't capable of. Right? So, I mean, it's not really what you're capable of. It's are you available and obedient? Okay. So, so today, I think as we, as we get ready to close here, let's just let's remember that, that God has plans for us. Okay? Sometimes it, it, the, the path there may look differently than you thought it would. But that doesn't mean it's not God. The question becomes, is God, if we're committing our life to him, our daily life, all the stuff of every day, whether it's the routine of going to work, whether it's the routine of taking care of kids, whether, you know, they're just things in our life. But if we commit those to God and we say, Lord, in, in, in the middle of this regular stuff I do and the things that fall to me to do, I want to do them obediently to you. I want to do it in a way that brings honor and glory to you. Lead me to where to what you have for me. And you trust God, then it will not only bring uh, joy to the things you're doing, but it will also expedite your path to where God wants to get you. Okay? So, will you guys stand with me as we get ready to close? Um, just This is really simple today. I, I think what we want to do is just... Um, is just I want to give everybody a chance. Just heads bowed, eyes closed. Okay, uh, if if you want to ask God to guide you to the things that He has for you, if, even if you haven't done it before, if you want to do that right now, if you say, "Lord, I I'm asking you, Father. I know I feel like there's more for me. I feel like you have plans for me that I don't know what they are yet. But Lord, please guide me to those plans because I want them during this season of my life." Just raise your hand to say, yeah, Lord, that's me. I just want to know. Thank you. So now let's just pray about that. Lord, I just want to thank you. Lord, you've seen our hands. God, we want what you have for us. And Lord, um, if we get an assignment, Lord, that looks like it's just chasing donkeys, God, we're going to do it faithfully. We're going to commit it to you and we're going to do it faithfully because, Lord, we know that a lot of times you move us in unexpected ways. And, Father, we want to be, take that first step, which is being obedient to what you have for us, so that then, Lord, you can continue to move us into all that you have. So, Father, we commit our prayer to you. And, Lord, I pray that even today, everyone here that has raised their hand, Lord, would sense some new revelation in their life as to where you would want to take them. Because, Lord, we want to be faithful servants of yours in Jesus' name. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, 
dominion forever and ever. Amen.